are listening to the Echo Church Podcast, and we are on a mission of rescue and restoration into a vibrant and fulfilled life. The other thing that I experienced down there was was a lot of anger. Along with that, I, I felt like there was there was you know a deeper core beyond the anger was was yeah maybe you know systemic fear that goes beyond themselves. It's just something that they feel and their reaction in the moment could you know just be fleshing itself out by fear uh, or anger. I'm sorry. And so this last weekend, Chrissy and I. We were actually talking about the Enneagram and talking about the gut triad and how the gut triad uh, resonates with anger. And I'm in the gut triad, so if anybody gets anger, I get it. I've been around it my whole life. Thank you for joining this week's Echo Church podcast. Today's conversation is part two of Pastor Andy and Christie's conversation with Chris and Sarah Griffith out of Chicago. Man, that it grabbed me right away, just cause the desperation almost sounding in his voice or even just the, you know, wanting to know, like, is this situation safe or can I like, you know, be myself? Can I or do I need to be on guard in this in this moment? Just many things. And I just feel like questions, you know, that, you know, we shouldn't have to ask. But, you know, we find ourselves in this season of life where we do, we really have to ask ourselves. As a black man, um, as we look back to Ahmaud Aubrey, I just kind of think, you know, when that, when I saw the video for that, I mean, to be honest, man, I was honestly even afraid to like go outside of my house. Cause I was like, dude, this could be it. I could walk out and never come back to the house, you know? So I just think, man, it's it's just a, like a really sad place to be that, you know, we have to fear for our lives some days. I think, you know, just the fear that has been in our minds between different cultures and different uh, backgrounds and different ethnicities shouldn't be. I mean, I don't think that we should live in a constant cycle of fear where we're having to say like, okay, is this person a safe person? And so, you know, my heart is that, you know, that we wouldn't have to judge people based on their outward appearance, but we would, like Dr. King said, you know, be able to judge them by the content of their character. And so it's just a really sad place to be in that, you know, we're still here and, you know, that it's in, we're still still like we're still doing that and you know obviously we do it for for self-preservation or whatever reason but yeah just a really sad place to be and so even growing up I mean I grew up in a town in Oklahoma just north of Tulsa called Bartlesville and it's a very small town the population is I believe point zero one African American. Mm-hmm. And so I, I had a really interesting upbringing. I wrote a post about it the other day on Facebook, just kind of like saying like, hey, these are like a couple of the experiences that I've been through, like just some of the things. And it wasn't all of them. And it, and some of the experiences that I shared were very dialed down in the way that I wrote about them. And, you know, I just it's one of those things where I had to learn how to, um, yeah, just 
every single day know that what, regardless of whatever situation I was going to go into, I would probably be one of the few African-Americans in the room and that I would always have to be on guard and I would always have to like, you know, just be about my wits and just like, and again, that kind of lends itself to like my upbringing because, you know, my parents kind of educated me on, you know, hey son, if you get pulled over by a police officer, like, you know, make sure you immediately put your hands like where they can see them. Don't make any fast movements, like make sure you call the officer by sir or ma'am make sure you you know don't argue make sure you don't do any of these things and you know again like you know even in that sense i've been a little privileged because i had some of that knowledge and information and so for that that kid to say that yeah just it's it's really sad because it's kind of like he was just you know um he saw you and was like oh like all right is this dude like uh, is he with the cause or is he against the cause? You know, so it's sad that in America we're either like there's sides to this thing. Like it should be like, you know, this is a human thing. Like we're all like in this grand scheme of things it together. And so it's just really a sad place to be. So, yeah, I mean, my prayer is that we would continue to tear down some of those walls of stereotypes and tear down some of those walls of prejudging people before we ever really know them. And I think that, you know, again, like Dr. King said, like that's that's a, that's the dream is that we would be in a place where we wouldn't do that anymore, where we would judge people solely off their character. So I read that question totally different than like my response to that question would have been totally different than yours based on what you've experienced. Like you read it as fear. Like, am I OK? I read it as solidarity. I read it as, are you with us? Like, are you helping us? Are you on our side? Are you on our team? Like a hope. And not that obviously mine is right or whatever, but like just even our perspectives being so different in the same words. You said, you know, are you with us? Three words. And I, you read it as fear and preservation. I read it as hopefulness. Mm. So that's very interesting to me. How did you perceive it in the moment? You know, I was an observer. Like I said, I had positioned myself to just listen and now when I look back, I think like, when's the last time the majority of Americans have positioned themselves in a place of discomfort to potentially kind of be uprooted or challenged yourself? And so I'm so glad I was down there. But my gut reaction when he asked me, are you with us, was I'm amongst you. And I don't know if that was, I didn't say that. I, to be honest, you know, I don't really want to be honest, but I will be. I just kind of played, I kind of played stupid as if like, I don't really want to answer that because I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I don't really have the answer for that. And I'm, I'm a very literal person yet figurative, kind of an interesting mix there. But so when he asked me, are you with me or with us? I was like, I don't know if I can answer that. But what I want to do is I want to be around you enough to be able to answer that. And now that I'm on the flip side and I've processed and I've thought about it, if I had the opportunity to answer this young man, I would say, I am for you. That's so good. So I, I think the profound little piece that I've learned this weekend, as people are looking and asking you, are you with us? Will you be amongst them long enough so then you can look back at them with authenticity and say, I am for you. And then actually have them believe you. Mm. Right. I think that's part of the problem of the culture that we live in, even in the Christian world, 
is we want to know if people are with us. And we jump to conclusion. We jump to that question. And instead of that being a question of invitation, it's a question of sending people out and saying, like, you know, it was almost as if the way I heard it was like, you with us, if you answer wrong, then who's, <laughs> are you going to stick around long enough to find out? Right, yeah. right. No, I love that. I love your perspective. I love your, just your attitude and your posture to, um, yeah, to continue to process mm-hmm. that out and to, to continue to try to see where, you know, that person is coming from. Again, like, I think that that's the big hope for a lot of people is just, would you understand where I'm coming from and be willing to, you know, advocate for me, be for me, even if you aren't necessarily totally aligned with all of my, you know, worldviews or whatever like that. So yeah, I think that, no, that's a great place to be. And um, yeah, I think, you know, when I look at kind of some of these situations, you know, I'm reminded of when I was growing up and, you know, what's the thing you always hear, or at least I always heard when I would be out in the yard playing or out in the street playing basketball or something, there would be, sometimes there'd be like neighborhood dogs that would get, get loose. And like the thing that somebody would always tell me would be that, don't be afraid of a dog because most times they're actually more afraid of you than than you are of them. Mm-hmm. And so I think a lot of these situations, at least for me and my perspective from some people that you may encounter like that, is it could, you know, it, there could be a lot of fear on the other side of the page. You know, I mean, you know, from my perspective, I, I would have heard that, like I said, it would have been like a, a thing is like, is this a, in an okay space or do I have to like be ready to fight or, you know, or whatever. So um, I just think that, yeah, there's a lot of uh, fear out there and we tend to kind of alienate things that we fear and, and, and yeah, things that sure. we don't understand. And so I think it's, you're, you're on the right path as far as trying to understand and trying to educate yourself and just trying to observe from somebody else's vantage point. So, um, yeah, no, I, I think that's, that's great stuff. And I think that's exactly, you know, a great perspective to start seeing things from. I had mentioned something this last week for our Echo online service, just like you guys are doing an online service. I said, we've got to learn the art of anger. It was more of a statement. I didn't have the opportunity to teach people how to handle or learn that art of anger. So I guess my question is, what have you learned? What can you tell us? What would be some tips to to manage? And it's not fair because I didn't really set you up for this pre but just by the leading of the spirit, man, is there anything that kind of jumps off the page? Anger for me is one of those things where, you know, I definitely believe in a righteous anger sometimes welling up in us. I, I believe that there are things, there are injustices, there are things that happen in our world, you know, when anytime, you know, someone loses their life or anytime something's not fair, anytime somebody's mistreated, you know, I, I, I have this righteous anger well up within me. And I think that obviously for me, I just believe that it's not a sin to be angry, but it's a sin on how 
how we choose to act on that. And so I think for me, I've always just tried to, you know, be pretty even keel and try to, again, type three. So every situation that comes about anger, I try to like rise above it and, and accomplish and just try to like achieve over it. You know what I mean? Like, so whether that be someone saying I can't do something or maybe, maybe that's like, um, you know, I had a bad set of circumstances and I had the opportunity to get angry instead of like lashing out. What I would choose to do is, is take that and then just to try to jump over it. Like I said at the beginning, you know, my parents, you know, did a really good job with just like, you know, leading me and helping me through this situation. And so a lot of times, you know, I've encountered this situation so many times where, you know, something, you know, someone's treated me unfairly based on my race or, or you know, who I am or and so I've just learned how to kind of, you know, grow a little, I've grown a little numb to it, to be honest. And, you know, maybe that's not necessarily the right way, but I've grown numb to it in the sense where it's like, I'm just used to it now, which is really sad. I mean, I remember the first couple of times and something would happen and I just, I would cry and I just wouldn't understand. I mean, I remember, you know, I think I shared this on Facebook the other day, but I remember, you know, several people that I was would date or was interested in and you know they'd either tell me like hey like my dad said that I can't date you because you're black or you know or the the parents wouldn't know and we'd be dating for a while and then they find out I'm black and then they're just like um yeah you got to break up and so like the first couple times it happened like I was really shaken and I just was like I didn't understand because you know, the way that I understood the world that if you did all the right stuff, if you were a good, you know, good person, got good grades and did all the stuff like people were supposed to like you, like you were supposed to be a reputable person. But just to learn that it didn't matter how good I was, it didn't matter. You know, I was good at sports. I was in the choir. I sang. I did stuff. It wasn't like, you know, I was a, a bad person. So, I mean, it just was heartbreaking because it was like, no matter how good I do or what things I accomplish, like I'll never be good enough for some of these people, you know, to, you know, either whether it be date their daughter or to get this job or to do this thing. And so, yeah, I think over the years, I've just kind of grown a little like callous to it and just try to, you know, almost forgive people before it even happens. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, I there's some situations I'll go into and I'm like, I already know like how this is going to turn out. But like before this even happens, like I'm going to forgive this person like which is weird, like a weird thing. So I just think, yeah, I've just kind of grown to know that, that that's what I have to expect. I definitely want to, you know, lead my kids and my future, you know, people that I have influence over in that area of just like, hey, like, you know, let me show you the better way to lead through this moment. Like this, this moment is really tough. Like you've been treated really unfairly, but there is a better way. And it's for you to continue to take the high road and for you to continue to be all that God's called you to be. And, you know, at the end of the day, we don't have to measure up to that some standard that we create in our mind that, um, oh, if we do these things, like these people will love us. That approval that we need is only from God and he's already given it to us, you know. So that's kind of where I'm at with all that. But uh, yeah, that was uh, kind of a lot. I kind of shotgunned that. That was like, <laughs> oh, that's great. That's good, yeah. One thing I heard when you said that too is justice over justification. Hmm. Like for you and for all of us, but... It's like you, the numbness and the accepting to, for survival. Like, I just have to survive. It is what it is. 
it's not right, you know, the justification, but like God's calling us for to speak justice. It's time for us to get angry, you know, and, and in that same vein of, you know, anger is not a sin. It's what you choose to do out of anger. That's a sin. You know, obviously, if I'm out there, you know, hurting people and cussing people out and degrading people, that's a sin. But, you know, for a culture that largely, of course, when I say that, I don't mean everyone. That's never true for anything. But that largely, you know, our level of anger is I couldn't get my hair cut or I had to wait in line or, you know, something like that. I think we need to be angry. I think we need to allow ourselves, and, and we should not allow ourselves, we should get to a place where we can be angry for what's happening to people that are not us. You know, and I think when we get there, when we allow it to bother us, when we allow it to frustrate us, it just causes us, you know, it fuels us to think through things differently. And let's be real, like, the goal of a human is like to not feel discomfort. That's not a bad thing. That's just literally how we are. If we're in pain, we try to, you know, mitigate the pain. If we're hurting, we either, you know, do external things to get rid of that hurt. We go to God, you know, whatever those things are. So I think the natural recourse when we're feeling extreme anger is let's figure out how we can help to where we're not feeling so angry. So I think let yourself get angry, force yourself to get angry, do whatever learning it takes to be angry about it. And then use that to fuel something. And then I really love that concept um, that you had mentioned, you know, that he had sent you about, you know, anger between like the flipping the tables anger and then laying down your life anger. And I think that was, that's so beautiful because I was really thinking about that. You know, I was definitely flip the tables angry. Still am in moments. In part, in what has happened over all these decades, you know, hundreds of years and particularly decades, but also almost more so in the response of my white brothers and sisters in Jesus. Their response has made me so angry. You know, and so not everyone's. Again, those responses that do not have any love for Black people who, you know, have just continued in this moment to degrade people that are not white, continue to degrade me because I'm speaking up for people who are not white. You know, that has made me so angry that Christian people have been giving this example. But now I think comes the time or, you know, and that timing is different for all of us, that then we lay down our lives. And to me, that does look like get humble get low, you know, and just what we talked about, that listening, throw out all the stuff you think is and you've built up and you've stood on and all, you know, when you yell at people and you're saying this, you know, lay down your life and say, you know what, even if everything I've said and felt is right, I'm going to lay it all down right here and let, you know, this new thing come in or this new thing teach me something. So yeah, I really love that beautiful concept. I think we have to be angry. And then we have to like lay it down and, you know, do something with that. I really appreciate your perspective on allowing yourself to get angry. That's actually really challenging to me. The other group of people that we really haven't discussed is the group of people who still feel apathetic to this whole thing, who are just like, oh, that's not my problem. Oh, somebody over there. Yeah, I don't care. Like, whatever. And they're still apathetic. And so I do, I know I, I love what you said because there are so, still a large amount of people who haven't like understood, like, this is a problem and we have to do something about it. And it's not just, uh, you know, a black problem or a white problem. This is a human problem. And so I just think, yeah, there's a lot of people sitting on the sidelines 
And like we said earlier, quiet, hadn't really said anything or felt anything. Um, You know, this is the time, man, to feel something, to Mm -hmm. say something, because, yeah, I mean, there's there's too much. There's too much that's happened. It's been too many years. There's been too many stories for people to just still continue to be apathetic to this. By no means is this a justification for a certain group of people, as you mentioned you know, and you would term the apathetic people. But I think modern day entertainment and the entertainment culture has tricked us to watch something on our phone that is from Hollywood or next to our home. Right. And I think some people, and that's, I was just talking to a friend yesterday and he said, he's just joking. My wife needs to get, my wife needs to get out of the FOMA which is the phone coma. And because I think what happens is it's really easy culturally, and I'm speaking for myself, to just view what we're seeing on our phone or on the screen as this pseudo really odd entertainment piece. It's like reality TV, but but it's real. It's not scripted. This wasn't meant to be. And because you've watched you watch that over and over again, it, it can, I think, feed that apathy, which is sad. Again, that's not my just, it's, I'm not justifying it, but maybe if we're finding a reason that might be part of it, I don't know. I feel like most people are inherently good and don't intend to do these bad things. So I think even something so simplistic as saying, hey, I think maybe I've been desensitized by media or I'm sorry, by Hollywood, you know, even those things might trigger someone to go, wait a minute. Maybe that's me too. You know, anything, no matter how small or seemingly insignificant that will open someone's eyes, you know, that has major value because that's, you know, just like with Jesus and salvation, you know, someone can tell you about Jesus 20 times and it might take that one time and it can be so small and so gentle that it finally seeps in and like you get it and then you have this beautiful relationship with Jesus. That's the same to me in this. You know, like I said, for me, I always was pretty woke. You know, I always had some exposure But it took this gentle, like, oh, wow, to really, like, motivate me further. So, no, I think I I wouldn't belittle that. I think those little things, as silly as they might sound or feel, and I don't think most people would view that as an excuse. You know, I don't obviously ever want to speak for people who are not white, but I can only imagine that anything we as white people do to get more understanding, I can only imagine they're for it, you know? And wouldn't see it as an excuse. Is that accurate? That sure. it, that's something that will help For sure. shape the future? Yep. Yeah. That really resonated with me. Your explanation, Sarah, and like, when are we getting angry? When's the last time we got angry? Like, there's a reason why, you know, these buildings are being burned down because they're that mad. And we need to understand that and if we don't fully understand it then asking questions and learning and that's good and you know i think it's just hard to i was listening to elevation yesterday and furtick and john gray did an interview and one of the things he said was like in this time it's like it's so hard because there's so many this issue or these issues that we're facing are so polarizing that you know sometimes like we like want to say the right thing but like there's so many different like vantage points and so many different people have expectation of us as leaders to say all the right things. And like, to be honest, that's just like, 
unrealistic because we're obviously going to say something that, you know, may rub someone a little bit the wrong way. But at the end of the day, like, you know, if this doesn't get you to that point again of action of, you know, hey, I finally need to have a conversation or I finally need to say like, man, hey, would you forgive me? Or I finally need to, you know, extend be that bridge, you know, like if it doesn't do that, man, like I don't know what will, man. Just so I, I definitely totally agree. I feel like right now, yeah, we're still fight a little bit of that uh, apathy or whatever. So in closing, just appreciate you guys. We're behind you financially. Echo wants to get behind you as well. And so we're hoping to send you a little blessing in the midst of a global pandemic, as well as a global outrage and put our money where our mouth is. And we don't have much, but what we do, we want to give. And so we just want to kind of go rah, 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 rhythm church. Come on, come on. And uh, we can't wait to just have a lifelong, really honestly, friendship with you two. And can't wait to uh, see you again in person. And hopefully when you're in lacrosse next time, uh, there's definitely some outdoor dining yes, going on. we'll make Let's that happen. Go. Actually, you can go inside in Wisconsin. So. Yes, yeah. yes, yeah. you can. <laughs> Thank you for joining us on this week's episode. If you have any questions or prayer requests, we'd love to hear from you. Please email us at hey at wearetheecho.church. This episode was produced and mixed by Just Hit Publish Productions. 